I need to think about how I'm going to do this in the future if we don't have any plan whatsoever, because I don't have a plan at all. Do you have a plan today? Not really. Just like chatting, thinking about, talking about the uh, future of Serially Hooked. Talking maybe about what we've been up to. Yeah, I guess that's a good um, way to go into the news. Welcome, everyone, to Serially Hooked. Brought to you by... Nah, Am I supposed to say my name now? (laughs) 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 No, I'm just making a crappy joke about how no one would ever pay for this podcast. And that's, that's, I (laughs) I mean, maybe, you know, send us an email and we can talk. Nah, that's not going to happen. No, of course not. Only shady emails about like building us a website or increasing our SEO, which we don't need. It is it is crazy how that happens so often with people just like emailing randomly to right. these websites. You get the same ones too that I get, I imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I think yesterday or two days ago we got one, I think. I think so. we are literally the smallest type of podcast where we have like almost no listener base and it's just us talking about <laughs> random crap and yeah. like they still get to the emails to people like us. I guess they're trying to take advantage of people who are more desperate, but we don't really care and they don't know that. Yeah, exactly. They're just like they, we, we just probably had our uh, email address ripped from some form and now we're on some spreadsheet that's circulating. Yeah, well, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, sorry I was a little bit late. I got caught up looking uh, at uh, recipes and oh. I completely lost track of time. I mean, I totally understand. What were you looking What kind of recipes were you looking for? So, okay. So it's, it's kind of a long story. I have a long relationship with this dish because mm-hmm. um, I used to go to Korea quite often, but it's been a while since I've been. I haven't been there in like 11 years. Um, but in like a very short spirit span of time, I went there quite often. And mm-hmm. there was this dish. So, okay. So I used to go to an area of Seoul called uh, um, Sinchon a lot. And mm-hmm. it was like a, next to a bunch of universities. So very student vibey, really cool. Lots of things going on. And I always used to stay there, had great restaurants, all the above. And number once I went to dinner there and we go to this restaurant, normal looking restaurant, whatever. And they bring out this huge plate of this, what seemed like a spicy braised chicken with glass noodles and served with all these vegetables and um, like a side of rice. And it was an absolute dream. I never got the name of the dish. I never mm-hmm. knew what it was. I looked up what it could be many different times. I couldn't figure it out. I asked people um, who were from Korea. They had no idea what I was talking about. And it was just like this kind of like a white whale kind of thing that I've been just searching for forever. (laughs) I mean, this is a really bad reference, but I felt like um, there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother, which... Uh, one of the characters is basically has a burger and it's like the best burger they've ever had. And they spend their entire life searching for that burger again, because for some reason they forgot where it was. And I felt like mm-hmm. a character in, in that TV show. I felt like this person searching for something forever. And two months ago, maybe a month ago, I, I kind of, I've been making new friends all over because that's what I do. And I was talking to a new friend of mine, relatively new friend of mine mm-hmm. named Sarah. And I was talking about this dish because I tend to talk about this dish with people who like food and are somewhat affiliated with Korea. 
And there it was. She had the answer. She could figure out. She found out what the dish was. She gave me the name. And here I am now. I haven't been able to make it yet because it's been a crazy month, like, you know, moving to Korea, not Korea, moving to Japan. (laughs) And (laughs) I... I just got it, and um, mm. I have started to finally, like after settling in, started getting to cooking a little bit more. And I'm like, all right, this is the time. This is the dish. And I was just looking at a few recipes as we were waiting to talk and trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to make my own recipe, which will kind of like a be an amalgamation of a few different ones, I think. And I'm so excited for this dish. <laughs> That sounds amazing. So can you tell us what it's called and what its components are? Yeah, so it's it's um I can't pronounce things in Korean because I do not speak <laughs> Korean, but as best as I can pronounce it, it's called Andong Jimtak. That's mm-hmm. my best effort. It's basically as I kind of described it, it's this spicy braised chicken with vegetables on glass noodles that has um like chicken and um, like carrots and potatoes and onions mm. and glass noodles and chilies and uh, garlic and ginger and um, uh, like a, a like a sauce that goes into the braising liquid, which is made of like different kinds of um, sauces and stuff. And so it it looks really good, and I am very excited to try it very soon. So. That's going to be at some point in the near future. I'll be making it. Depends on how. I mean, it doesn't seem to take that long either. It'll be like probably forty-five minutes to an hour of cooking max. So mm-hmm. um, it should be easily. I mean, I should get it done easy. But what reminded me of that was that um, I was feeling a little bit under the weather a few days ago, and I mean, you can probably tell mm-hmm. a little bit in my voice that that's still around. But yeah, I, love um, I was making another dish um a korean dish called um korean is i really need to learn how to pronounce korean because i love (laughs) korean foods but i can't Mm -hmm. pronounce any of them um so there's a korean dish called tuk guk (laughs) i think Mm -hmm. um and it's it's normally it's like a normally a new year's soup uh made of like little rice cakes and uh like a really simple beef and garlic broth and I had made that a few days ago because I was starting to feel a little sick. I mean, not because mm-hmm. it's New Year's or whatever, just because I felt like a nice, warm, hearty soup uh, with like some onions and, and garlic and whatever, whatever. It sounds great. And mm-hmm. um, that kind of like spurred me going to the Korean grocery store. And uh, the new neighborhood I'm living in is kind of like a very international in a way which is quite nice and there mm-hmm. is this little korean shop in front of the the korean embassy in tokyo that is specializing in kimchi and and korean dishes or korean stuff so and they have like all these different kinds of kimchi in the place it's incredible uh so i'm just kind of like getting into that a little bit more and now that i'm in japan i can get some more ingredients that are more true to the ethos of a korean food than um, what you can get in in the UK. Yeah, much closer to the source. That's nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know, I was as you were talking, I was just reminded that our friendship started with Korean food, kind of. <laughs> Did it? Like the first time we ha- we hung out like one on one was like at Restaurant Korea in Heidelberg. Really? Wow. Okay, yeah, what, what, can yeah, you yeah. remind me? Because I have no memory of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we we had like a... 
we had like a class together in, f- in our first semester, but we didn't hang out, I would say. And then in our like fifth semester, I think we just stumbled uh, over each other, in, not literally, but metaphorically in like a random hallway and started chatting. And then we said like, let's hang out. And I think, yeah, the first time we met up was like at Restaurant Korea. And then uh, I think, yeah, you had just come back from, I think, I don't, I'm not sure which one you went to first because you were like abroad for like six months at a time in Japan and in, in the UK, I think, was it Cambridge too? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, we that's that's the time, and then I think we we had plans to go to a different restaurant, and then you were like, "Hey, do you mind if we just like hang out at my place and cook?" And I was like, "Sure." And then I discovered that you're a great cook, <laughs> which I didn't know yet. <laughs> but damn, that's been over five years ago. Yeah, it's man, that time does fly in that way. But it's, right. I think, yeah, for some reason, I have no memory of that. But also, I have a terrible memory of a lot yeah. of things. Uh, I mostly remember it because um, I had made like a like a concerted effort to like be more social. <laughs> and uh, I, I saw you in a hallway talking to like some other person. Uh, and I totally hijacked the conversation. <laughs> Because I was like, I know this person. And I said, I'm going to be more sociable. So I'm just going to approach them. <laughs> that sounds kind of not like you. So, right? In a way. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what came over me. But uh, yeah, from that, a lot of things came from that conversation, I would say. But also it goes for me to show how food just brings people together in a very unique right. way. And that's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, there's nothing better than the communal experience of sharing food. Yeah, but some people I've realized just don't care. And that's so odd <sighs> to me. I know. I know. I mean, it's kind of like how some people don't care about music. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, food specifically. I don't know. I think that those are mostly people who just don't haven't really kind of developed a palate if you ask them what kind of food they like they probably wouldn't know you know and oh so that's your theory is that they haven't been exposed to it as much it's i think for them like food is a lot or eating is more of a mindless activity that it it's kind of a um it's something you need to do for survival but it's not like something that could be kind of that couldn't be an event like it's it can't be an event for them yeah well the thing is there's two things there's the the food itself and then there's also the 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 act of going with people to eat whether that's at a Mm -hmm. home or or in a restaurant or whatever it may be and i think those are two related for most people but in some cases can be separated so um, I know my father doesn't like food, really. Um, he likes certain dishes, obviously, but he's not a huge food person. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, as you mentioned, eat to survive. Um, but from my understanding, still does enjoy kind of like being with people sometimes around the dinner table mm-hmm. or wherever it may be. I could be completely wrong, but this is my interpretation of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there is like a social aspect that even sometimes transcends the love of food. And that is mm-hmm. food is, becomes a vehicle for that. Oh, interesting. So 
Did you get your interest in cooking from your mom or somewhere else? No, I think it was for me, really. It was something where mm. I had graduated and I had left the house and I always enjoyed food, but found myself in a financial position where I could no longer afford <laughs> food uh, yeah. or buying it. And that kind of set me off in that path. And I kind of did it in a very uh, meticulous way or building block way as one would assume that someone like me or me, if you know me, <laughs> would say. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you are meticulous? What a shocker. <laughs> I still oh, remember man. the first thing that I told myself I was going to learn how to make. And mm. it was just a, a bechamel sauce. I remember the first thing. Oh. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start with the foundations and the building blocks. And I'm going to learn how to make a roux. And then I'm going to make bechamel. And then we're just going to start from there and uh, just move on from that you know yeah i mean it's kind of ironic i don't i like rarely make a bechamel nowadays <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know it was it was the uh entry entryway to a whole culinary universe yeah and it's one of those things where you the more you travel and the more you see things the more you kind of get exposed to new things and you have a connection mm. to different foods and it becomes a bigger, at least for someone who likes food, a bigger and bigger part of it. Mm. And it really is just, it's something that, you know, I don't want to make this into a food podcast because that's not what we are <laughs> um, or not what... We um, could be. Yeah, we could be whatever we want. And that's kind <laughs> of the point. Seriously <laughs> yeah, cooked. Oh my Lord. I love that name. <laughs> I can Sorry, hear I just you have to take a pause about... to write that down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, amazing. That's nice. Oh no, I, I don't know what I was saying, but uh what whatever it is, it's just it's really exciting to kind of mm. just um add horizons to it because especially yeah. for someone like myself who goes through phases with certain foods and cuisines, um it it becomes a part of you in a way that is is like quite special and it you end up relating to different people on a fundamental level because food is so important for so many different people in different contexts so it it really does um as as does language in many ways it becomes a binding force between you and other people and mm -hmm. in a way it is for me a more enjoyable way to communicate in a way, uh, and and convey feeling and yeah. and you know there's this idea of liking to learn like people who like to learn languages and like to communicate with other people around the world and that's incredible right i personally mm -hmm. Has never liked learning languages. I have learned languages, <laughs> um, mostly born out of context and a desire yeah. to communicate. So for me, the desire has never been to learn languages. I don't like grammar. I don't I hate memorizing vocabulary, all these kinds of things. Some people enjoy yeah. that process. Um, I don't like that kind of learning. I like more intuitive types of learning. I like more analytical types of learning. And that's sort of the ethos of me kind of <laughs> doing a PhD, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> But when we're considering um, the desire to communicate and the desire to connect with people from different places around the world, um, at a fundamental level, um, 
you do need a language for that. And that's kind of what spurred my kind of requirement to learn languages, at least to a certain extent. But what's cool about food, and if soon as you're able to connect with people in that level, it adds a whole different dimension to communication because it becomes an emotional connection that you tap into with people that connects mm-hmm. the that that connects to an ethos of identity that um, underpins a lot of people's experiences. And you don't always even need the right language for that because so for example, you can connect to someone who loves um, a certain kind of food, say let's say andong um, jimdak. Because mm-hmm. they love it and it's part of the, their experience in their lives that they grew up with. You don't necessarily have to have that experience like speaking Korean, growing up Korean, all these kinds of things to maybe not fully understand the, the, the diversity of their, life, their life's experiences. But really, you can um, tap into something there that is hard to get at through other methods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a short, like almost like a sensory short circuit to like exp- other people's experiences yeah it's, it's just um it, it's really nice to kind of have that avenue uh when you meet mm-hmm. people and it also like it's become a recipe for me to just make friends just keep cooking <laughs> for people until they like me exactly it worked fine with me <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean and sometimes it's interesting if you try to express things like food in language i remember i once i don't know i was on holiday with like friends of mine we just rented a house over new years for like a week and they did like some sort of whiskey tasting and i don't i don't drink whiskey but i still (laughs) participated and it was very interesting uh, because I kind of I could tell all the flavors of like okay this is more smoky this is like has like this is a little bit has a honey flavor to it and they were all really surprised and I was like yeah I can tell you what how it tastes like I just don't like it you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah that was kind of a fun experience but when it comes to kind of I don't know I always think back to the movie Ratatouille of like how the impression of eating food, what that can do to you. I think that movie nails it pretty well when Remy has these like colored swirls and the music in the background or when the critic is transported to his childhood through that one dish, Um, which I have come to realize in the last few months more and more how incredible sensory memory is because there are certain smells and tastes that just catapult me back into time like um a few weeks ago i played this really really weird board game that's supposed to be in for children um and it's your your like kind of you're you're just going around a, a like a a board trying to you know it's like a race to the finish sort of thing and you make your own figures from play-doh and we all opened the little canisters of play-doh and we all had that moment of of like smelling that smell and immediately being 
catapulted back to when we were all four years old. It was really interesting. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> and this is this is kind of a non sequitur, but um, we can we could do this on the show or afterwards. Uh, but if you do have a, a recipe for harissa for me, uh, I've been thinking about making some, and I've also found like four recipes that I kind of like, and I was thinking about you know also doing an amalgam of of those. But if you have one that you know and trust, uh, obviously. Yours, ha- yours is the most important one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look through my uh, recipe book and see what I have. Yeah. But what's your nice. impetus for making harissa itself? Oh, I think I was I was out for dinner with a couple of friends, and um, there's this store um, that makes really great um, Levantine cuisine, and they sell harissa. They're like really well known for making really delicious harissa, and I was like, "Yeah, I can, I can make that." <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, but we we thought about buying it. It's just like a little expensive." I was like, "Yeah, I can also just make it." And that's two months ago, and now every week I'm like, <laughs> they're they're kind of um, asking me, "So where's the harissa? I could I can just go to the shop and buy some." I was like, "No, I'll make it to you. I'll promise. I promise." <laughs> Uh, and I've given myself a deadline for uh, two in two or like in 10 days or something that I'll make them some harissa. Oh, that'll be cool. But then also one of the cool things is trying something new and then improving on mm-hmm. it the next time you make it, right? So you're going to try exactly. something and I'm sure with every iteration, it's just going to get better and better. Yeah, for sure. That's why I was initially thinking I'm just going to make all of the four recipes separately and then just see which one tastes the best. <laughs> but also making four batches of harissa is maybe was like a little bit too much. Uh, so I had just yes, hadn't had a little time. overkill, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so I'll I'll see. And it's always like you know, it's a good thing to have around. You can always use it. It's very nice. I've had it a lot on pizza recently, which is very nice. Wait, what? Sorry, <laughs> on pizza? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just like little like sprinkles of it, more more or less, uh, which has been really fun. I've been eating my way through Berlin Berlin's uh, pizza places, and it's delicious. It's a delicious journey. Interesting. How I mean, how is their pizza good? Like, it's interesting for me to think about Berlin pizza because my experience of German pizza is miserable. So, yeah, I mean, it's just you know, Berlin is such an amazing place for food, um, and there are some really, really good pizza places. Um, there, t- shout out to two places. One of them is probably more well-known than the other one the more well-known one is called gazzo they make um sourdough uh pizzas and it's amazing it's like right around the corner from where my partner lives so sometimes when we just we're just like um you know having a light morning we're like okay let's make breakfast and then we just uh i don't know we're not really doing anything and then it's 12 and we're like oh we or we could just go to gato <laughs> and it's really really good pizza it's kind of a hyped place but that that place really deserves the hype and then there's one called standard serious pizza i've had an an amazing uh pizza there maybe two months ago really really good that one's in prenzlauer berg 
also really really good obviously like both of them are on more of the pricey side but worth it for sure oh that must be so fun yeah it's i my my like saved uh list for my maps is like half of those things now is pizza places i think (laughs) what's your go-to pizza order uh Oof. so Gatso has this really nice they only have like seven different pizzas and then like one pizza that changes every week um and they have this amazing pizza with uh with zucchini and a mozzarella and lemon that's just like a really summer and it's a white pizza as well uh, i've really come to like that one uh, i've also really enjoyed eggplant on uh on pizza recently um i don't really do the stand i had i had a weird i i was definitely a proponent proponent of like pineapple on pizza you know the um the eternal question which is so overrated is like been memed to death um but i don't really have like i just see what's there and what what speaks to me Hmm, fair enough i think it's uh do you have have a go-to pizza I mean, for me, it's the question of am I am I comparing pizzas? Am I on a journey like you are, or am I just like going one off, right? Because mm. in my mind, if I'm judging pizzas, they're all judged on their most basic pizza. They're judged on cheese, yeah. right? Whatever yeah. their simplest pizza is, cheese or margarita or whatever the hell. Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise, I it, everything else is like a window dressing. Um, when mm-hmm. I'm actually just maybe ordering for myself, you know, like a, a mushroom pizza or a eggplant pizza or something like that. Nothing yeah. too, nothing too fancy. The more things that are on a pizza, the more it, I, I tend to enjoy it less. Um, mm-hmm. and that kind of goes for all pizza, but then, um, especially so for more Neapolitan or America uh, or Italian style pizzas, like uh, mm-hmm. American style pizzas, if they're good, um, I'll just I just want cheese. Um, if they're mm-hmm. not so good, just dump all the toppings on it and I'll top it with sriracha and I'll I'll have it's just like a cheese delivery system. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also the the sauce is so important. Oh yeah, like, for sure. All of that it's, thing. Oh, it's a balance, right? So exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. That's why that's why Gasso is so good. You know, they have this great dough. They have their like sauces are there. It's nothing fancy, but it, they just nail it. Um, we also we also did uh, some pasta dish over new years that was really interesting that was uh blended with like raisins in the in it i remember that was really interesting because it gave like the sweetness to it um that was kind of weird but i loved it kind of kind of thing um i mean yeah, standard- if you give me raisins in a pasta i will probably throw it out the window <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i mean it's you you didn't uh you didn't taste the raisins it was just all blended together uh so there wasn't any chunks in it or anything that would be disgusting but it was just really interesting because it was it had it was like a really kind of a thick sauce with a certain with a touch of sweetness from the raisins but not the raisin flavor you know 
I mean, I understand each individual <laughs> word you said. Yeah. The amalgamation of it, not so much. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But you're also talking to someone who thinks that raisins are way overused. Oh, they are. Absolutely. I was very skeptical when my friend was like, yeah, I'm going to make this pasta sauce and I'm going to throw raisins in there. And I was like, excuse me, the fuck you just said? <laughs> but uh, it turned out to be delicious. So, okay, very interesting. I, I guess I trust um, you in that way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, since we're talking about pizza for a sec, I mean, I have to shout out the only yeah. pizza place in Tokyo worth a damn. Mm-hmm. And it's just called The Pizza. That's it. <laughs> great name nice. yeah what makes them so good they're just like good pizza you know mm-hmm. it's you know it's you know new york style slice pizza um mm-hmm. as new york style as it can get and it's crispy sauce is good cheese is good uh it's simple it's cheap-ish for pizza in japan which is quite overpriced mm-hmm. generally uh yeah. but yeah it's 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 a thing that I would go out of my way for. And I'm very yeah. glad my new place is like a 20-minute walk to there. So it's as close <laughs> as you tempting. can get. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't been very, since very I got tempting. back here. Uh, so yeah. I'm sure soon I will make the trek as soon as I'm mm-hmm. ready. <laughs> yeah, it's one of these things where it's great to go there, but you also can't go there every week. So otherwise it loses its, its special kind of flavor. Nope. Um, I could go at least twice a week, three (laughs) times a week. I will be fine. Of course. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Um, But yeah, we briefly mentioned, like, this is not a cooking podcast. Obviously, we've had... We've had I mean, a bit with of that name that you just came up with, I think this just <laughs> might become one. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm open for it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, I think, what this is going to become because we we're just kind of, I think, over the whole reviewing shows thing, and also we can't churn out like two episodes a week anymore, just because of life. Um, well, I think it's but, more yeah. about us trying to make it more just gen- just like us, you know, less structure, yeah. less formula, less whatever. And also the content of what's coming out has just kind of been blah for so mm-hmm. long uh, that it's just kind of meh and we'll kind of be more selective about the things that we actually talk about with um, in your more traditional serially hooked fashion where we break it down or whatever and talk about our thoughts and those will kind of be more of the you know the endors or the dunes or the stuff like that that comes out in the next couple of years but in the meantime i think a sort of reevaluating what we like from serially hooked and what we want from serially hooked i think um i think actually today was a good example of what it can be and what it probably will be moving forward more so and that's just us coming on a mic and just talking like like we would have our normal conversations. Maybe it'll be a little bit less animated because I won't be yelling at the top of my lungs, but that's probably <laughs> healthy for my mental health. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, does does the world really need another podcast where two dudes are talking? I don't know, but we're just doing this for the hell of it. Um, and I mean, this podcast know, is for us, really. It's not really exactly. for anyone else. Exactly. And you get to listen in and we're happy that you're here, but really we're doing this for ourselves. This is a hobby. Um, and yeah, we're, we're just going to 
see where it goes. Uh, maybe something grows out of it organically. We're just going to throw spaghetti at the wall sometimes. I was thinking, you know, because I I realized I didn't really read anything or not much anyway last, the last year. I thought this could we could have like a book club sort of thing and call it Serially Booked. Um, I definitely want to talk to you about history a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, because that's something that's interesting to both of us. That might be, that might just be the nerdiest thing we we would talk about, <laughs> and we've talked or a lot the thing about. We're Star most Wars. qualified to talk about. <laughs> yes, that without a doubt, that is the most qualified <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, we'll just see how it goes um, and what we're feeling like. And yeah, I think it's fun to kind of start recording and not really know what we're going to be talking about. Maybe some, as you said, sometimes there will be something like Andor or Dune or other things that are coming out that we do want to talk about. And then we'll just um, make episodes about that. But in the meantime, we're going to just, you know, let loose a little bit and be a little bit less, as you said, structured. I think also the point is just to kind of talk about whatever we've been up to recently and just catching mm-hmm. up because me talking about the recipes I've been making recently is an example of us kind of going in a different direction based on what I've been doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or whatever you're, if you decide to read something or we read something or whatever it may be, right? Um, and if mm-hmm. we, we will be reducing the frequency of Serially Hooked as well. Um, we talked oh, about yeah. maybe once a month, something like that, so that it will also naturally just be us catching up for half of the episode as well (laughs) exactly uh because that is i don't know it's it was fun it was kind of funny about a month ago we were on the phone and just catching up and that might i think that was legit the the first time we were just on the phone without recording each other in three years (laughs) probably Maybe once, right. like for like a second at some point, but probably. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, essentially, like the new just... tagline of Serially Hooked is just Serially Hooked, whatever we're up to, basically, or whatever <laughs> we want, something of that nature. Exactly. It's still going to be things we're hooked on, whether that's just life <laughs> or something else. Uh, and we're going to, you know, we're going to see how often we'll publish, how of- often we can catch up. But um, yeah, I think I think that's going to be a fun experiment. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm still really looking forward to Andor. <laughs> that's all mm-hmm. I really can think <laughs> about right now. <laughs> yeah, when is it coming out this year? Now, 25. Damn, 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 you can damn. Blame the but writer's finally, strike, I guess. I know, but I mean, it's it's a good thing. Uh, I still haven't watched fucking Barbie or Oppenheimer. I can't believe that. I mean, it's past. I know. <laughs> Yesterday, I went to the uh, to the cinema for the first time in I want to say nine months, which is what did you fucking watch? crazy. I watched Perfect Days. Which uh, is the I've new... actually like I heard about that today for the first time. Ah, nice. It's a new Japanese yeah. film, right? I mean, it is a, basically a Japanese film. Yeah, it's uh, by a German director, Wim Wenders, who's like kind of famous i mean very famous in germany that's why everybody was like oh he has a new movie um but yeah 
you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen one of his movies. I'm not sure. Uh, but I watched it yesterday and it is very, very nice. Um, it's one of, it's a very low key, a very chill movie, just very beautiful in a way. What's it about? Uh, that's a good question. It is about a older Japanese guy who lives in Tokyo and whose job it is to clean toilets. And then he just things happen, you know, with his co-worker, with a relative who just shows up at his doorstep, literally just things that happen in his day-to-day life. And it's it's really interesting because it is kind of, this guy is very structured and he has a very structured life. And you can tell whenever something happens that, um, you know, throws a wrench into his routines that totally throws him off but also he usually finds finds it enjoyable and yeah it's just but it always has these sort of quiet moments of contemplation and resting and yeah it's it's one of these movies that i really love because they're calm and people talk a lot and nothing much else happens it's mostly about the people and their kind of world which is really really nice that sounds like up your alley for sure. Exactly. And I didn't know what it was going to be about. And I just randomly uh, thought, I'm going to watch a movie. So what's on? And uh, that was on. <laughs> so yeah, I really, I, I would recommend watching it. Also, fuck me. Hayao Miyazaki uh, released a new movie. I didn't know about that until it came out and I'm very excited. I'm probably going to watch it uh, in uh, two days. So I'm very excited for that. It's really interesting because there were three people that I used to be really into that I didn't think they would release something new of their craft. And now Hayao Miyazaki brought out a new movie and uh, both Paul Auster and Haruki Murakami published new novels. Um, oh, really? They did? Yeah, yeah. Huh. They did just just now, I think, like, Oster maybe two months ago. And at least in Germany, Murakami just Murakami's book just came out. And I'm totally going to gobble that up. <laughs> yeah, you got to let me know how it is. I will. I will. It's really interesting because, all like, both Murakami and Oster, I think I, I used to like because they are... Not necessarily repetitive, but you always knew what you were in for when you uh, read their works. Especially, I would say, Oster has a lot of the same themes. And uh, I, re- I used to really like that. And uh, and then I think I just, with a little bit of distance, I thought like, okay, that is good. But also his batting average is like not not superb, I would say. Mm, there are a lot of books I like, but also a lot of books that I never want to read again. Like I don't need to read again. Um, but yeah, I, I was still happy to hear that he published a new novel. Um, so I'll definitely check that out and let you know what I think about it. I mean, then it seems like your 2024 is going to get off to more of a, a good reading start. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. I'm also thinking about doing a little bit of a writing project because there is a uh, a really interesting um competition i, I want to say um where you 
where you it's it's kind of a cooperation between the story platform and one of the uh, like a big retail bookseller in Germany and they're doing this thing until mid March where you submit 12 to 17 very short pieces of writing i think it's like three and a half thousand characters or less wow um and then yeah they uh they can uh you know they will um they have different categories and stuff like that and i'm thinking of writing a little bit like non-fiction essays um because i don't know i just i just think that might be it for me there's it's a really different thing but uh i don't know have you ever heard of umberto echo no no he's uh he's a he he was an italian linguist who is really really uh, he was also really famous because he is the author of the name of the rose um which is a pretty famous novel that was got turned into a movie in i think the 90s starring sean connery as like this 13th century benedictine monk who which is it's basically like a uh like a there's like some monastery where people die and he's trying to solve that mystery um and it's really interesting and because uh yeah um, echo is like a semiotics professor or was um, but he also wrote these essays that um, that were also really short, about the length of those, as as the story award is, um, and it's like it's like not a they're not long, they're very concise, and it's really interesting because I have basically all of those in like one published in one volume and there are things like there is an essay about immigration from i think 1990 and all of the kind of the debate all of the different sides the arguments on all of the sides the underlying you know phenomena and problems are all the same as it is today which is you know not surprising <laughs> uh but it's still kind of interesting how something from 30 almost 35 years ago is still you can just apply it one-to-one to this day and yeah there are a bunch of those um essays like that that are just very concise and very contemporaneous i mean like i'm studying stuff immigration from 100 years ago and you can apply it <laughs> one-to-one to today so exactly. we haven't improved at all <laughs> Yeah, and I have studied migration from 500 years ago and it's all fucking the same shit over and over again. Um, I remember when I came to Heidelberg, my first um, my first landlord, I don't know if you remember him, he was like this old piece of shit. Uh, yeah, fucking, I do. <laughs> yeah. And one of the first things he said to me was like, oh yeah, you know, you're studying history, uh, blah, blah. So... And that's really um, exciting and interesting and important because now, you know, you can tell people that from a historical perspective, it's never been a good idea when foreigners come to our place. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to tell him that uh, the kind of history I'm studying is questioning all of that and is like fundamentally against that. So, uh, yeah, but 
yeah, it's, it's, it's such bullshit. Um, wow. Okay, that went in a different direction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> I mean, it's, no, it's just unexpected. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was just like this fucking xenophobic guy, and I was like, I just moved in here. I don't want to. Uh, I mean, I did. I did like counter him somewhat, but I didn't get into a full blown debate. And I was like, you know what? Just fucking. He's fucking eighty five. He's not gonna change his opinions, and it also doesn't matter. So, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm obviously on board with all of that from what you just said. Um, but that's that's more <laughs> on our history part of the segment, historically hooked or whatever. Um, yeah, I also want to pick your brains about that. That was a bit of a tangent, <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, I mean, all we do is tangents, Chris. Right. right. Especially now, oh. by design. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but it's going to be fun to, to talk about history. I miss, I miss history a little bit, even though I'm happy I'm not in academia anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, you're in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I am. Um, but I, I, you know enjoy it you know from an idea the idea of it is great also the practice but (laughs) it's also this interesting balance between the two constantly i think it's just the the writing thing i'm trying to work on you know yeah yeah oh writing routines oof um how far along are you if i may ask um in terms of years or dissertation or in terms of like (laughs) the actual dissertation itself yeah like the the writing part I have about half of it done, mm-hmm. right? Written. Okay, cool. By done, I mean super rough draft. Yeah, of course. You've written something about yeah. Some of you. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. say about a third of it is is good, right? Uh, because also, mm-hmm. um, like that third is basically has already been accepted to be published or will be published in the next like two months. So it's nice. kind of like those stuffs are, those stuff are polished for the most part. Mm-hmm. They have to be tweaked Amazing. for a different mm-hmm. context. Instead of standalone mm-hmm. articles, they have to be integrated into a, a dissertation narrative. But yeah. if we're talking about sort of just the, the quality of it, it is good. The other uh, bit, that I have already written, um, that's more rough, much more rough. But mm-hmm. it's about putting, for me, it's like about putting words onto paper and then modifying them as they are already on there because um, mm. the hardest thing for me is just a blank page. Yes, for sure. I mean, editing. Editing is 90% of the writing process. Uh, but the hardest part is definitely filling that blank uh, space. Well, it's just like some people do it so differently. I have a friend who, I mean, maybe you do something similar. I would imagine you would, but maybe not. Um, I have a friend who wrote his entire dissertation on paper with like pencil. And Mm. he then, he wrote the whole thing with pencil and then typed it basically. Mm -hmm. So he has an entire um, copy of his dissertation in pencil, pen or pencil, whatever, uh, handwritten um, in his house, which is a crazy concept to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean i've mixed and matched a little bit um i've definitely i've i wrote my master's thesis that way but that was more for health reasons um yeah. but i i'm i'm more of a writer where basically 
I edit while I'm writing. So I write something and then I just look over the paragraph and rewrite it until I'm happy with it, but which takes a lot of time. And, um, but, but that also means I don't have to read it again because it just, it's just done when I'm <laughs> done with it. Um, but that also means as the deadline comes closer, I just stop that <laughs> and just write. <laughs> and so the, the first half of my, or like certain parts of, of my works, of my papers usually uh, read much, not much different, but maybe a little bit, maybe, I don't know how, how much people could tell, honestly. But for me, I always felt so weird because I would spend um, like two thirds of the time for like a quarter of the thing and then i'm like okay i don't have time for this anymore <laughs> and then i just write uh, and don't and then maybe i do like one edit if i'm lucky if i had enough time but uh yeah honestly they can probably tell <laughs> <laughs> well they did they didn't seem to mind let's put it that way yeah well i that's the one thing i've kind of come to appreciate is the gap of difference between masters and phd is just so huge and then also like it makes me think about really what how big the gap is from phd to Mm. actual seasoned academic it's just like (laughs) huge gaps like it's it's mountains essentially when i look back on my masters and all that it's like oh that's what I was proud of, or that's what I was doing. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. if I decide to stay in academia, I'll look back on my PhD and be like, whoa, you thought that mm-hmm. was good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's funny. I was just thinking about that uh, maybe like a month ago that I almost did a PhD. There was like the perfect project, the perfect super, I mean, you know, for my topic. I don't know how it would have turned out, but like the perfect um supervisor everything and also in the city in germany that i like the most and uh i got second on on that uh application and it's so interesting to think about what if i had become first then i would have then i would be doing my phd for would have been doing my phd for the last two years or so it's so interesting (sighs) Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, like sliding door moments in life are really interesting because, mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm kind of approaching another one now because I'm coming to graduation in a few months. Not graduation, yeah. but submission in a few months. And in that process, it really makes you think about the different places life could take you and where you could end up. Mm. And that's so um, nerve wracking to a certain extent, but also just um, like so fascinating as like um you know if you want to believe in a multiverse or something like that, just like the the different (laughs) kind of iterations of your life as they have passed by. And in retrospect, um, like Mm. how, what could have been is always a really um, interesting thing to look at, but you know, uh, I'm always Mm. like the type of person who's really happy with whatever I'm doing and whatever I am, Mm. wherever I am. Uh, So, I mean, I don't really take too much stock into it, like seriously speaking, um, but mm-hmm. it's always fun to just like, oh, what if I actually did this? Whoa. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of happy that it turned out this way because, I mean, let me tell you, my mental health has improved so much since I left academia. I think that was just a toxic environment for me specifically because like the type of person I was back then because I channeled like all of my insecurities through academic achievements. 
Mm, that's uh, a difficult place was, to be. <laughs> that's very unhealthy. Um, and it wasn't even because I know, obviously, academia kind of fosters that to a certain degree. Uh, but that was never the problem. The problem was just myself and the perfectionist high bar I set for myself. And now I'm so different and I'm so happy I am so different. Um, but just thinking back on the person I was three, four years ago, it's like fucking a different person. So Yeah, I'm I mean, here you just say those words coming out of your mouth. It's just like, what? That's not the Chris <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, I mean, if I look back on that, or even like, I don't know. Yeah, just the person. It's so interesting. Um, And yeah, those kind of... Uh, yeah it's like do you go left do you go right what path are you going to take I, I remember because I always enjoyed speaking to academics about kind of their their life in a sense because you very quickly get a feel um, for what kind of person they are and I remember the first person who really shaped me the professor for early modern history at the University of Bremen shout out um really not really great um she told me that she didn't want to do a phd she wanted to work in a museum it was just that uh, all of the like the museum job she really wanted they didn't get back to her until the phd was like yeah you know you can do your phd here so and then she waited for another two weeks um and then she finally said okay i'm going to, to do the phd and then the museum was like two weeks later it was like yeah you can work with us and she was like oh. yeah, too late <laughs> and now she's a professor for for history you know which is kind of funny how that goes sometimes yeah it's really interesting that's cool sometimes yeah. the thing you least expected is the thing you want the most right or like you're you just turn out to be really good in something or like honestly you know i'm a i work in podcasting now which is fucking crazy <laughs> still <laughs> um and it's so i don't know it just obviously i w kind of worked for it um but it's still i also feel very happy and very lucky that i kind of you know because it was kind of a <sighs> i i did pursue that with a certain seriousness because i did think okay fuck i think maybe phd isn't the like it doesn't work out so is there anything else that i'm interested in uh, even like coming close to how much i love history and for the longest time it, there was nothing and then eventually i thought oh podcasts i do really enjoy podcasts they've been a huge part of my life and in about uh, two three weeks, I have I will have my ten year listening to podcast anniversary, um, and they've really shaped me. So yeah, so why not pursue that? And then it kind of you know it happened, and I'm so happy that it did. Honestly, it's very yeah, interesting. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. What, what, a, what an inspiring story in the end for where you are now, <laughs> yeah. right? right i i mean i would i didn't think that uh, that it would work but i just tried anyway because you know all you can do is try but what do you think if you weren't doing a phd right now what would a different universe rashad like the multiverse rashad what would that be like 
different paths? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, there's different <laughs> like sliding doors and like, what if, I mean, if it goes super early, it's like, what if I stuck more with science and math, which is what I was more focused towards anyways, coming out of high school. What if I did that? That's a whole different world. Mm-hmm. Um, what if I didn't, I mean, you can always like, well, okay, what if I didn't go to this university? What if I didn't get this job after university? I mean, what if I yeah. stayed in my job and didn't, um, get uh go uh didn't go to grad school um what if i kind of um found there was like two jobs i was bouncing between in, in my last year of undergrad what if i got um that job versus the one that i ended up getting mm. um i'd probably still be in dc actually uh, because there was one job um that was like really exciting um and they were recruiting me and i was like oh no that i ended up choosing a job that would promise me that i could travel um and that was kind of like the deciding factor um <laughs> I have a lot of things like what if i um got accepted to heidelberg phd instead of getting accepted to cambridge and that would have been mm-hmm. so totally different right i would have probably be i'd be finished probably by now but i'd be in in Heidelberg, right? I would have gotten a degree from there. It's totally different. Uh, so yeah. there's a lot of different things that uh, kind of uh, could have turned out differently. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you always have like little things here and there uh, in in the over the course of life, but there's the bigger ones that uh, kind of just stick out sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, what have I learned from all that? Just nothing. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, maybe you did. You just, you just can't tell because they're so they they seem very natural progressions. You know. I think. I guess. I think that's part of it. Uh, but uh, I think it's more that those sliding doors i guess are something that are just m- nothing more than interesting hypotheticals to me like i'm not the mm-hmm. type of person who who uh wallows in regret often i mean wallow is a judgmental yeah. word um reflects on regrets <laughs> or reflects on the past in that way uh because mm-hmm. i think i am fundamentally just happy with who i am and where i am mm-hmm. uh, for the most part and being secure in that is sort of a consequence of all these changes and choices that I've made. I can't mm-hmm. say if there's a causal relationship there, if I would have also developed mm-hmm. similarly personality wise, if I hadn't done that, but I would, there's definitely a correlation, but I would yeah. like to believe that there's a causation there as well, because <laughs> who I am is a consequence of uh, the sum of my actions and, yeah. or the sum of my experiences. And, I even look back to who I was five years ago and who I am now and think I'm a completely different person. And maybe other people don't see that uh, who have known me for so long, uh, but I, I, I'd like to believe that's the case. Uh, but, you know, what can you do? You just kind of uh, just happy with, just be happy with whatever situation you're in. And you know me, I'm, I'm the ultimate optimist. Uh, so <laughs> it's also kind of like, oddly corny coming from me because that's all i'm gonna say all the time just be happy <laughs> even in like the worst of times yeah yeah i mean regret has always been my nemesis the question of what if but that you know in retrospect that is because i was so unhappy with my life at the time and now i don't 
ask that question. I mean, sometimes I do, but never with the desperation that I used to. More of like a, an interesting thought experiment, but not of like, oh my God, I wish things were different. It's like, no, I'm, I mean, sure, I wish there were like a few things were different, but I'm, I'm generally happy with where I am right now, which is fucking insane to me. Like two years ago, even that would have not been the case. Like I thought about a, a lot about the last year, about 2023, and it was such a good year, like probably the best year of my life. And I'm wow. like, wow, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, and I'm just like kind of in awe of that because I don't know, um, there have definitely been long stretches of time in my life where i was just pretty miserable <laughs> so i i am still not taking that for granted um so yeah we are kind of different in that way uh but you know i'm just i'm just i don't know i guess we have definitely come if we're talking about a, the spectrum of how you can be we've definitely come closer i would i would guess uh in the last two years um, because I think I have changed a lot, which is very much, as you said, the sum of the, the experiences that I've had. I'm very grateful for a lot of the things that have happened and the people I have come across. And I mean, not to be, not to do you know to have too much pathos here but also this thing like this podcast has been a lot of fun turned out to be kind of a door opener for my current job um and yeah it's it's been it's been a ride and it continues to be yeah for sure i think so i have a question for you sorry to extend this mm -hmm. that would have been a great ending to a podcast but i'm gonna I have a question for you <laughs> sorry <laughs> In always. classic Rashad faction, no matter the form of serial they hooked, I will always destroy your transitions. <laughs> Some things never change, and that's that's kind of fun. So, I mean, you talked about how happy you are with the place in your life right now. But mm -hmm. the question that I had is that, do you think that's because of the growth you've had individually, or is it because of the change in circumstances externally for you in your life? I mean, both probably. Uh, I think I have grown a lot as a person in the last three years, um, specifically due to uh, the break uh, that COVID forced on my and like all of our lives, basically. Um, so I I couldn't just continue the way I, uh, you know, with things the way I did, and I had time to reflect. And to question certain things, and there there were decisions I made along the way that I couldn't have made without that process. But you know th those decisions, um, as a result of my kind of change and I would say growth in <laughs> um, personality and outlook, are um, uh, then resulted in specific experiences and that just was a positive reinforcement. Um, but also, you know, obviously, you know, this job that I've had, I've struggled financially, for example, for a long time. And, you know, just, just having, not, not just having a, you know, obviously 
a job that may is a lot of fun most of the time but also having financial security really helps mental health um you know all of these things and having certain experiences that open doors to further personal growth um you know it's a great it's been it's been a, it's a great combination of those two factors both internal and external I guess I mean yeah that's that's really good that you've also felt like you've had internal growth as well because the question then yeah. to that is I don't want to put the bad juju in the world but <laughs> say tomorrow like you lose your job you lose your house you lose like a lot of things do you feel like you would be in a better position than you were than you would have been able to handle it than a few years ago does that question make sense I phrased it yeah, oddly yeah I know I know what you mean though. Um, I hope so. I think in times of crises, I do sometimes revert back to old habits that weren't exactly healthy. Um, for example, just before Christmas, we had a three week stretch where things at work were really, really stressful. And then a few personal things came on top of that. And I didn't handle that quite as well, but it was like coming from all sides and very suddenly um but still i would say i did much better than i would have done two or three years ago um and i also have like much more of a or like a a different kind type of support network also yeah um which always helps uh but i i would like to think that i would react much better to those sort of things but also ask me again in a month because i currently have to find a new flat true <laughs> <laughs> i i have to be out of this place in 6 weeks and so and i actually i already went to a few places uh and i turned one of them down i could have moved there like this weekend wow uh, but i turned them down because i didn't feel i it, you know, my gut. It's one thing that I have kind of tried to do, and that has generally really helped me, has been trusting my gut. Mm. And my gut feeling was like, I'm not happy with this place. The circumstances are not great. And so I said no, which was a very fun experience in the crazy housing market that is Berlin to say no to a place that I could have had. Um, and I had the I had the thought of in a month I probably would be desperate enough to say yes to this place, but I just started looking, so I'm fine. You know, I'll, I'll just say no. I'm sure other things will come up. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to be positive about it. I still have about yeah, preferably a month <laughs> until I move. Um, so yeah, let's let's see. I'll I'll report back next time we record. I'm excited to hear how that happened or what happens with that. Same, and also to hear about how you're you know set, have settled in to your new environment. I mean, your new old environment, I suppose, because you are familiar with it. But but it's, it's um, a new part of Tokyo. Tokyo is such a big city that like yeah. you go to a new area and you live in a new area, it feels like you're in a different world. Well, especially because yeah. I went from a very kind of like rinky-dink part of town to a really fancy part of town, and it feels like a different place. So it's it's kind of mm -hmm. nice to be in a new area and exploring new places. But to be fair, I haven't been doing much of that um, mm -hmm. since I got here just because I was like not feeling well for a couple of days and then also just 
um, have kind of just leaned into cooking for a bit <laughs> and, nice. uh, and, and tennis and all the normal other hobbies that take up a lot of time. So we'll see how it goes moving forward. Nice. Yeah, looking forward to catching up soon. I guess this is what it's like moving forward for Serially Hooks. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> and I mean, tune in next time for whatever. <laughs> whatever this will be. Thanks for being uh, you know, with us. And I've missed this. I know Rashad has missed this as well. And we're glad to be back. Talk to you oh, next and time. Also, for anyone who was paying attention, um, I am oh, yeah. <laughs> like there is there is no Ahsoka finale episode, and just you know what we recorded it, but it's just never going to be. I'm sorry, I just can't like I just can't be bothered at this point. So whatever, it's fine. <laughs> nice. The Ahsoka wait in in one word, the Ahsoka finale was bad. Was bad. That's yeah. it. You don't yeah. need to hear anything else from us. <laughs> <laughs> we were very underwhelmed. I mean, it uh, low-key, like, ruined um, my year, and also, <laughs> like, I lost a little bit of faith in humanity, but you know what? That's okay. <laughs> That's a great review. Well, also, think about it this way. <laughs> so this is not going to be the end of the episode. <laughs> Settle in for another 30 minutes. No, everyone. no, no. I'm just going to say one thing. If okay. the the horrible nature of the Ahsoka finale is... At some subconscious level, the reason why we decided to pivot Serially Hooked because we just needed a break from Serially Hooked just because of that episode, (laughs) I think um, it'll all be for the best. Yeah, honestly, I can't even remember it and I'm actively trying to avoid to think about it right now because I can't be bothered. I just remember not liking this show uh, and being very disappointed. So fuck that and we're doing other things now and i'm very glad about that you know talking about sliding doors just remember sabine has the force spoiler alert fuck me (laughs) talk to you next time (laughs) bye thanks for that (laughs) 